ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. Little, uh little uh, warm homecoming action today on some Beer yep. Geeks Radio on WLK. We have a guy by the name, what's your name? Oh, geez, you know, it's been so long. Uh, how does this microphone work? You're, it's Derek, hey. I, that <laughs> sounded way better when Chevy Chase did it in uh, Spies Like Us, by the way. I know. I, yeah. can only, I can only hope to fill the shoes of Chevy Chase, which <laughs> that's a dream many men have. That's his, bro. Silence is fun. So, uh, whoever had the over under on one minute until Derek says something really creepy on air, um, yeah, you can pick up your prize. That's at, an uh, easy over under. Yeah. So, welcome to the Beer Geeks and WILK um, at Massive Beers. We have Derek back um, doing a little yeah. guest spot action. Um, he has some news. We'll get into that in a second, though. Let's just drop it right no, now. No, 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 no. Uh, Joe and George and Steve and Meat Smoke. It's just a, it's a round table of bearded, sweaty dudes. It's a, a veritable sausage party, if I will say. You know, I, I leave up and gone for a month, and I come back to a full-blown sausage party in the studio. Which there you is, go. A whole month, too. That's how long it took, so. And yeah. I think that's why you came back. Yeah, I got the itch. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> He's got the itch for the sweaty sausage party. Oh, uh, there we go. That didn't anyway, take long at all. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking talking some beer stuffs. Um, having Dock Street Brewing on from uh, Philadelphia. Um, uh, been around for a long time, but we don't necessarily get their beers up here, but they're starting to kind of rebrand and expand and stuff like that. So it'll be a nice conversation with uh, Sasha from uh, Dock Street. And uh, we'll talk a little bit of beer news to kick it off. Let's go uh, some weirdness stuff off the bat, which would be, what do you want to go with here? Let's see. 7,600 beers stolen. That one works. Um, yeah. The uh, 7,800, sorry, uh, 78,000 beers stolen from Sweetwater Brewing Company. Um, earlier in the week, two trailers containing that amount of beer were stolen from the Atlanta based brewery. So, um, so whoever stole those trucks, you can drive up here and bring that beer to us right now. But uh, how do you how do you have that kind of beer stolen? Like, what do you, like, I'm sure the, I don't want to go into the whole story about it, but. I'm sure that it was just loading a trailer and it was waiting to be shipped and someone just... I, I wonder if this was like a trailer. planned out thing, like Ocean's Eleven style, or was it just two guys like, ah, oh, you know what we should do? <laughs> and just it somehow slipped through the cracks. It happens all the time. There's a, there's a trucking company up in Gouldsboro gets st- stuff stolen from them all the time. It's all like jeans and weird and So weird maybe they didn't stuff. even know what they were getting, basically. They yeah, just kind of yeah. were going, hey, there's a trailer, take it. And You just imagine some kind of like um, hillbilly version of... Um, Whatchamacallit? Not Ocean's Eleven. Um, uh, what is that? Goodfellas. Uh, Where it's like, you know, pistol whipping the guy and taking the beer and running. I'm trying to picture now a redneck version of uh, Goodfellas. Who who would be the lead in that? Uh, Larry the Cable Guy? <laughs> that's right? the lead in everything. <laughs> no, that, that's, your, that's your hillbilly go-to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's some funness. Um, also, cool thing, uh, they found some live yeast in a 2,000-year-old shipwrecked um, a boat off the coast of uh, Australia. Um, they found it. They found bottles of beer down there. They brought them up and managed to get extract the yeast from the beer that was down there. Definitely sounds very dry laggy. You know what I mean? <laughs> In a way that he was like, that's a thing Dennis would be like, I need to go to Australia right now and figure out what's going on with the I, beer. I was going to say that sounds kind of like dogfish head. Yeah. As well. Well, but know? with uh, Dennis, when he had Dennis from Dry Lag on, he cultivated the yeast from, yeah, the, from, the, cabinet. from yeah. the cabinet. So that's why it made me think of that. But at the same time, you have like, they even said that the yeast, they're not quite sure if it's proper 
proper yeast or not because being that it's in the ocean that long and it was corked and it could have seepage, it could be just yeah. horrible yeast. So yeah, they haven't had they that's popped up I know periodically in the news over the years and they really never have good luck with cultivating and getting something to work. So I know there was a couple couple years ago, I feel it was like off the coast in England somewhere, something like that. They found one and it was like thousand year old bottles or something and they were trying to do this stuff and then like they someone actually the, the better test was someone actually there was bottles that were unopened someone tried to drink that's one that, that, yeah that, it didn't come out just like gooey sludge <laughs> yeah, or something was, like yeah, that it was just like a, it was why would you even think that there is any way in hell that's gonna work at all but yeah they, they attempted to do that one and they tried getting the yeast and that it just didn't work because it just didn't hold up because I mean you're sitting at the bottom of the ocean for however long yeah so there, there was another one also um I want to say like a biologist had a piece of amber with like a mosquito, and they took the yeast out of like the mosquito. Oh wow! Isn't that Jurassic Park Five? Yeah, um, <laughs> Newman was in it again. He brought him back to life. I was but say, no, how I, you I, get out of that cheap then. <laughs> But anyway, with your mosquitoes and, and yeast and stuff, um, let's see what else we have. Barnes and Noble is going to be serving beer. Books and beer. It kind of makes sense, actually. Well, yeah, their sales are going down. That's why it makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they have to do something, yeah. but I mean, it, it, it actually, it makes sense. Everything, I mean, come on, everything's better with beer. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to sit in the afternoon given, sitting yeah. down. I mean, it's like people are going to spend time sitting there probably more than if you're yeah. serving them alcohol, too. They're going to sit there even longer. Yeah, I mean, like, if I'm going to have a beer at home, uh, usually doing some kind of, whether it be reading or watching a movie or kind of, it's like, a, it's a, sometimes a secondary thing where you yeah. want to do that, so it just seems natural to kind of have that happen. Well, also, you're serving people coffee. Coffee is a stimulant. going to make you kind of want to get up and moving, beer will do the opposite. So if you really want to keep people there, not a bad idea. Yeah, but then you just have a bunch of like 40-year-old dudes reading like Fifty Shades of Grey all drunk. Though. I don't know if that's going to go down all that well. Know. Who says it doesn't happen now? <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. And that's pretty much it for uh, one other thing. Two Roads, UK. They expanded oh, the, UK? the UK. That's actually the last piece of news. That's kind of an interesting one because yeah. it always frustrates me when you have a, a brewery that makes great beer and I can't get it, but they're sending beer off to the UK. <laughs> and what's the deal with that? Well, maybe the Brexit's going to change that. Oh, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's why Brexit <laughs> happened. They're like, Two Roads is like, we, we're not sending you beer unless you separate from the EU. So, And they're like, oh, they have that two kind roads. Of leverage. <laughs> two Roads, we got to get that up in here. So uh, <laughs> peace out, EU. Um, as far as beer releases this week, um, Stone announced their, uh, who you calling a wussy pilsner? Oh, uh, I did see that. That's one in cans, correct? Yeah. 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 yeah it's so just, that's just a really hoppy pilsner at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's a stone beer, so it's yeah. going to be really yeah. hoppy something. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, I want to say Night Shift is releasing today, right? Night Shift is releasing. What are they releasing today? George, George will know. Oh, no. No, it's, uh, uh, I think, Timbo Slice. Yeah, Tim- <laughs> really? yeah. Two awesome. beers. It's Timbo Slice and the uh, other one has like clams and coriander in it or something. Yeah, that's about it. I yeah, I just saw the post of the uh, the people in line and everything. Which George and I were in one of those posts before. <laughs> yeah, they even took a picture, and you could you can't see me, but you can see Derek's head just like peeking over the crowd. Yeah, I was like leaning up against the wall. I'm like, oh, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> Why am I standing here? Um, and then uh, Russian Duck had to release this weekend of part two, which is no, our part three, three, sorry, three third anniversary beer. And um, yeah, we both uh, we yeah, we've both all looked out there. Yeah, we've all tried it, right? Everybody in this room has had some of it. Yeah. And yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, well, so everybody in this room that Let's talk about how good it is and let Brad know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that got screwed over on this. It's That's really never good. happened to yeah. Brad before. But yeah, no, it's a great beer. Um, we, we actually, uh, all of us, pretty much all of us went up there um, yesterday. 
earlier, and they still had bottles. So, I mean, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're close to there, definitely pop in. It's it's definitely worth yeah, the trip. It's, it's, uh, you heard us wax philosophical on here about part two very much, and this is just equal to that. So you're not going to be able to get part two, but you can still get some part three, so definitely. And then uh, let's uh, skip to a little bit of beer news locally. Um, Derek has left the show, but that doesn't mean he has left beer. What do you got going yeah. on, man? Uh, so, yeah, I, my departure was rather swift, I guess. It was just kind of a sudden departure from everything. But uh, there was some kind of things going on in the background, and now I can actually talk about it because now it's going to start happening. Uh, it'll be out next year, so 2017, but I am doing a book, which is one of the main reasons I had to leave because the amount of time that's going to take will completely destroy any time I could devote to doing this. Uh, it's a locally focused book on northeastern Pennsylvania, on breweries, the history and brewing going forward. So getting into all the great beers and everything that's gone on, going into our coal mining past, all the way up to the current thing. So it's going to be a really fun thing, and it's going to be fun doing research too, which means you have to go to all the breweries and pour me down and just see what's going on with everybody right now and have some beers with them. Uh, so I've been getting into all that, but it'll be coming out 2017. It'll be cool too because it's going to be a nationally released book, so it's not just one of those super local. It'll be actually published. It's not just an ebook. so... That'd be fun. No, it's going to be a good time. I'm sure, you know, you'll be, yeah, I mean, you'll be on randomly yeah, from I'll, time to time. But when we get close to that, we'll probably, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll pull some strings and have a show dedicated to the book. I can make that happen. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah, I smell like rich mahogany from time to time. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I noticed it was a little tighter in here because of your ego. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. Sound doesn't travel around my large head that quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's awesome. A book about the beer history of northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, but let's do this. Let's cut the break, uh, and then we'll get a little bit of uh, Philadelphia beer history going on with Dock Street Brewing. Next, uh, we'll be speaking with uh, Sasha Serto-Ware. So stay tuned on the Beer Geeks and WILK. Today's GetMyPerks.com deal of the day is a classy way to sip some delicious whites and reds. Grab a pair of tickets to Wine in the Woods for just $20. That's a $40 value for half price. Wine in the Woods at the Elmhurst Roaring Brook Picnic Grounds is Saturday, August 6th. Enjoy food and wine from local wineries, including Capra Kalina Winery, Lucci Wine Cellar, Hidden Creek Winery, Ferone Family Winery, and Malatesi Wine Cellars. Plus, light fare, a bonfire at dusk, and live music from Dashboard Mary. And still available at GetMyPerks.com. Get a $20 voucher to Moyer's Country Kitchen in Pocono Lake for just $10. The following is an incredible, life-changing free offer for anyone with hearing problems who wants to start hearing everything more clearly again. We're now offering free in-home trials of a revolutionary hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear to anyone who calls this special toll-free number now. 1-800-933-1447. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also qualify for free shipping and free batteries for life. Listen Clear is precisely designed by top audio engineers. It adjusts to let you find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And Listen Clear is so invisible, people may not even know you're wearing it. And it's so lightweight, you may even forget you're wearing it too. Don't miss this special life-changing opportunity to hear everything more clearly again for free. With a 100% free in-home trial, free shipping, and even free batteries for life. For free information, call now. 1-800-933-1447. That's 1-800-933-1447. 1-800-933-1447. Is that a radio in your pocket or you just, oh, it's just a phone? Well, you know, that's cool too, I guess. 
Yeah, mine's both. Radio and phone. I know, I know. Who is this mystical man from the future? And how do I get my hands on this phone-slash-radio technology? I, I get it all the time. But it's like, just get the next radio app. Then you can impress all your friends by knowing exactly what's playing on every station at all times. You want to know who sings that song that was just on three songs ago? Boom! Recently played list. You can even save your favorites, sort by genre, and get the deets on upcoming concerts and album releases. And it uses 75% less battery battery power than streaming apps, meaning you can listen for longer wherever you go. So you basically just won radio. Yeah, you're welcome. Go ahead and try it. Maybe you'll win something for a change. Next Radio, live and local, wherever you go. Check supported devices and download the free app today from Google Play. It's Westfield with Elvia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, <laughs> relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball. You're in a bad mood. You're in a good mood now. Yeah, you much? can't not be in a good mood when this song pops on. There you go. So welcome back to the Beer Geeks on WILK. Talking a little bit of beer today. Uh, and let's uh, welcome to the show Sasha from um, Dock Street Brewing. What's going on, man? Morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Dock Street. Let's get into it. Let's jump right from the beginning. Where did you guys kind of jump off? I know there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say convoluted history, but, you know, the brewery existed and it was sold and it was bought again. What's the whole, uh, uh, you know, beginning of the brewery itself? Sure. So Dock Street Brewery was started by my mom and dad in 1985, which um, I guess explains why I still have a job today. <laughs> but um, it was a totally different climate than it was now. Um, you know, if in mid-80s, if you wanted a good beer, it was most likely going to have to be an import. Um, Sierra Nevada was started up in 1983. Boston Beer Company was started up in 84. But, you know, in Philadelphia, there was really no good beer. My parents saw this void in the market. Um, you know, my dad was a knife maker. My mother was a photographer. They were both artists. They were both entertainers. They were both foodies. So they decided to start a beer company. And, they, you know, they loved craft beer as well. And they were both pretty avid homebrewers, which is kind of, I guess, how everyone gets into the business as well. But um, they kind of mixed. They had this mix of all these passions that made for kind of the great foundation to start the company up. They raised $80,000, and they spent 65000 on an opening party. Uh, they invited the who's who of Philly, uh, chefs, restaurant managers, local celebrities, uh, artists, and they really just had one of the crazier parties that Philly had seen in the mid-'80s, and that catapulted the brewery into what they created being the Philadelphia beer scene. The company so it was like grew almost and grew like a grew. Um, by the late 90s, we were the 25th largest brewery in the country. We were making 30,000 barrels of beer a year of, of beer a year of craft beer, which at that time was pretty unheard of. First of all, I want to say congratulations that you survived as a business after spending that much <laughs> on, on your opening party, which is is, awesome. is that like a, it's like a shock and awe approach to like <laughs> opening a brewery? Like let's make a mark so people can't help but remember us, kind of deal, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It seemed like the best way to get started with limited amount of money. We want everyone that we want in one room, so that's the best way to approach them. So then you guys were, like, you start off, uh, your 25th largest craft brewery at the time. Yes. Um, now, going from there, how did the brewery progress to where it is now? So we had our flagship styles, our uh, Doxtured Amber, it was a hoppy amber ale, and our Bohemian Pilsner. Um, and so we, had, we started with a small group of investors with about $80,000, and uh, the way I kind of view it is, and it's been portrayed to me, it's a classic, you know, artist versus accountant type scenario. It's... Um, 
that we could be making X amount more money if we are using corn and rice instead of barley. We can attract this much more of a market share if instead of doing a incredibly multi-doppelbach, we do a light, bo- light Pilsner, light amber beer instead. Um, really kind of everything that made Dock Street so successful and eclectic and sought after was being compromised. And there were five or six hostile takeover attempts um, for the brand from the investors. And, you know, my parents were artists and entertainers and foodies, and they were really passionate about the product they were making, and they didn't want to run the company from the inside of a courtroom. So after the fifth hostile takeover attempt, they sold their shares to the investors. And two years later, my mother bought the company back at a bankruptcy shed, uh, sale. That's not a bad little flip right there, I guess you'd <laughs> say. I mean, it's got, it's, it's got a romantic notion, you know, selling high, buying low, but we lost a lot of our competitive advantage. You know, we started out as the first craft brewery in Philadelphia, and, you know, we still maintain that title. But by the time we reopened, you know, it's, everyone was kind of thriving in this field that we, for lack of better words, created. Yeah, I mean... Um, that being said, we started, or we restarted kind of this transformative expansion. Uh, we opened, we did really limited contract brewing out of upstate New York for about a year and a half. Uh, and we opened up our brew pub in West Philadelphia in 2007. So we have a restaurant now that's centered around a wood-burning pizza oven and obviously is designed to showcase our beer, which we distribute throughout Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So we, um, we kind of adapted with the times a little bit. We still do our classic American styles and our classic flagships. We just started packaging our Bohemian Pilsner again for the first time in 15 years. But we also do some really fun, crazy new beers, too, that we like to push ourselves to challenge um, You know what we think beer can or should be. We've done politically charged beers. We did um, kind of a Wu-Tang Clan-themed beer last year. <laughs> we did a Walking Dead-themed beer. We're working with microbiologists to harvest wild yeast from the air around West Philadelphia. So we like to um, always stay on our toes. Yeah, we're we're actually drinking the Bohemian Pilsner right now. Um, it's it's a great Pilsner. Do you know what I mean? Like, when is this the original recipe you guys uh, had back in the day, or was it tweaked from the original version? It was tweaked a little bit. We were brewing that in 500 barrel batches, so we had to scale it down a little bit. And the quality of ingredients now is so much better than it was in the mid 80s and mid 90s. So uh, we were able to adjust a little bit, um, but our goal was to make it kind of the exact same beer that made Dock Street so popular when we first started up. And from what I understand, we've kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Sasha, and I know you were you were young, but I'm wondering if you could speak to either stories you were told or anything, but when you guys were first starting out, I mean, Philly, the beer scene now is probably one of the most competitive, if not in the United States, if not the world, um, what it was like in those early days starting out. I mean, pre the craft beer craze and just what was going on at that time, how the brewery you know stayed competitive and how they even got inform- information out to uh, potential customers, because I know that was always a tough thing, was explaining to them why better beer is better, especially at that point in time. Sure. I, I, I mean, all the stories are going to be secondhand for the most part. I mean, I was a toddler when most of this was happening, but I've uh, grown up in the family kind of hearing how the climate was and how everything progressed, so... I'll do my very best to mm-hmm. <laughs> provide the information I can, but I think any successful industry, any successful business is competitive in nature. Um, when we were starting the 80s in 85, there was no other craft beer in Philadelphia, but that's not to say that the, um, the beer business wasn't competitive at all. You know, it's, 
we operate in a three-tiered system, at least in Pennsylvania. So we have our wholesalers, we have giant macro brands, we have Anheuser-Busch, we have Miller Coors that are still um, very much influential in the industry. And those some of the issues that we faced in the 80s and 90s. I remember one of our early parties we had, we rented out, it was a big beer festival on Columbus Boulevard, and Dock Street Beer was one of the, the official beer of it. And one of the wholesalers caught wind of that, and they were pouring, I'm not sure if it was Miller or Bud Light, but they found out that there was going to be another beer, which was Dock Street, that was being poured on Columbus for this big river festival. And it was World War Three, essentially. You know, they came in, they said, we're not allowed to pour a beer there, we can't have it there. They're going to sue us. They're going to shut down our company if any other beer that's not this macro beer is being poured on the riverfront. Uh-huh. So, you know, our wholesaler, had, they were very supportive of us, but their hands were kind of tied in that situation. You know, I think it was Miller that was turning on the lights and putting gas in the trucks. So we ended up renting out one of the ships that's parked on the, on the Delaware River that's really visible, and we had a giant Dock Street sign that was printed up and we hung it from the mast of the ship during the party, so it was visible from like half a mile in any direction. <laughs> the Dock Street Beer, and kind of everyone's jaws dropped. It's like, what, what do we do now? And so that was on a Friday night, and on Saturday morning, all the ropes were cut on the mast. The, uh, the sign was on the deck of the ship, and I don't know, it was kind of like piracy of craft beer. And <laughs> really intense warfare going on for signage and airspace and everything else. And I think that was one of the first kind of times when it's people realized how how strong of an industry craft beer was you know how what exactly craft beer was going up against and how seriously people were taking that as a threat to kind of the norm so sasha like with um your family being in it from the beginning and i know you you were young at the time like what kind of pressure or what kind of like drive do you guys have because you were the originators in the Philly scene um, to now the very competitive Philly scene it's, that it is. It's a great feeling. It's really nice. Um, it's, I think Philadelphia is often referred to as one of the best beer-drinking cities and best cities for beer in the country and in the world, for that matter. I think American beer has always, or has recently, in the last hundred years or so, been on the forefront of kind of this global trend. And, you know, some of the best beers in the world are... Some of them are made in Germany, Belgium, but also some of the best ones are made in the United States, and it's really flattering to be in that position, and we're really proud to have had that early uh, position. That being said, um, you know, we a lot of brewers that we've trained are um, that have been our brewers on 18th and Cherry and Dock Street. They've gone on to do some really great things and worked for some other really successful brewers in Philadelphia. We just did a collaboration for the Craft Brewers Conference with uh, Will Kemper, who owns this fantastic brewery in Washington State, Chuckin' Up Brewing Company. And we brewed a Dunkel Lager that we brewed back in Dock Street in the late 80s. And, you know, it was really nice to see 30 years later that so many people that we were involved with, and, you know, Will helped design the early system at Dock Street that we're still, still friendly and everyone's still thriving. And 
it's just a great bunch of people. Now, now you go from um, you, you go from the brewery being um, a, a bit larger, kind of going through that um, kind of back and forth with the takeovers and whatnot, and buying the brewery back, and now you've kind of scaled it back to more of a local kind of business model. It, 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 are you looking now to expand back out to be more of a, a distributed kind of brewery, more bottling stuff like that? We just started bottling again in December um, of this of 2015, and it's it's a different it's a different arena than it was in the mid 80s. Uh, you know, when we started, there were only a couple hundred breweries in the United States, and now there's what is, did it surpass? I think it surpassed 4,000 recently. Mm-hmm. So every city, major or small, has their own brewery. Every wholesaler's craft portfolio, you know, they're not accepting anymore. Um, brands in their in their house to distribute, so it's much more competitive than it was now. We um we're in kind of that sweet spot. We have the it's you know it's a good problem to have. We are having trouble making enough beer to fit our demands, and we're definitely a lot smaller than we were now. But we like to think that we have just as big of a footprint, just as big of an impact. Um, and we want to grow, but we want to do it responsibly as well. We don't want to take on investors. We don't want to take out crippling loans. We don't want to have to make decisions that come from anywhere than what our customer what will make our customers happy and what will do best by us and by our business models. And you know, it's the we started a company with the thought that, you know, America produces so much great it's such a great producer, we make so much great food, we have so many great ideas, so many innovators, the why is our beer, you know, watery and unimpressive. That's how we started the company and that's what we kind of would like to continue to be able to do. And speaking of that, we just cracked into the, your Rye IPA. Um, now, this is probably what I would imagine be either your flagship beer or your best-known beer. Is this kind of the one you hang your hat on going forward? or? So ever, that's the first beer that we brewed out of our new group up in West Philadelphia, and it's, um, it's the first beer pulled through our system, the first beer in our tanks. We tweaked the recipe a little bit, but it's uh, an American IPA it's made with 20% rye, uh, so it gives it a nice tangy, peppery taste without being too bready or, you know, not too much, not too much rye, and we bounce it out with Simcoe and Amarillo hops. You get a really kind of spicy, grapefruity, piney, citrusy nose and aroma to it. Uh, it's a 98 on rate beer. It's the number 13 rye beer in the world on Beer Advocate, and coming from a brewery that's you know making only 500 kegs of that a year, it's something that we're incredibly proud of. And that's um, that was the first beer we put back into packaging. And then you, oh, and then you have the Rye IPA. You have the Bohemian Pilsner coming out. But then, like you mentioned previously, and let's talk about that a little bit. You guys kind of go off in the left field and start making, you know, beers with brains in them and things like that. Like, where does that kind of like thought process, like, let's make these really nice traditional style beers, but then also make just wacky, kooky, madooky stuff? We like to do. We like to tie in our interests and our passions and what really gets us up in the morning. We want to share that with the rest of the world and if it can't be with the rest of the world we want to share that with who supports us and who's drinking our beer um, the first kind of celebrity beer that we've done in a really long time was called Dock Street Walker and that was for the season finale of the walk season four of The Walking Dead and it was myself and one of our previous brewers we were talking about The Walking Dead it was a Monday morning we were cleaning kegs and you know kind of going through the grind and talking about our weekend and television and we both love The Walking Dead, and we wanted to make a beer to kind of tribute that. You know, it's something we like. We want to tie it in with, want to bring everyone else to that same playing field with us. So we were talking about different ingredients, different, um, 
different styles, how we can what, what we can do. You know, we're going to use blood oranges, which we thought was a little too cliche. We're going to use elderberries, which were referenced in the show a couple times. And, you know, I, I grew up in the restaurant business with chefs from all over the world. My family's Mediterranean. My brother-in-law's Turkish. And I remember as an 11-year-old, I was in the restaurant that my mother and father owned. Uh, it was a pizzeria, and we had this crazy Sicilian chef. And I was... 10 or 11 years old, and I come into work one day, and there's a, a lamb's head just sitting on the pizza counter, covered in towels and wearing Ray-Ban Wayfarers. So I'm this 11-year-old kid I'm in my mother's restaurant making pizza as this decapitated lamb is just kind of staring at me this whole time and <laughs> Wayfarers. So, you know, it was like a, not so much a traumatic experience, but like really kind of a cultural shock thing to me. And at the end of the night, he um, he prepared the lamb's head. It was from a dinner his family was having. And he cooked the brain, and he cooked the cheek, and he cooked the tongue, and he explained how it was not only a cultural delicacy, but a lot of places in the world they view the utmost respect to an animal as using all edible parts. You know, it's disrespectful to kill something and then not use all of it. And that was kind of the first, like, international delicacies that we'd ever been exposed to. So... Anyway, we tied that back to the beer. We thought, why not we? Why don't we make a beer with this? No one's ever done a beer with brains before, and it's a zombie beer. It's perfect. And so we added roasted goat brains to the sparge of our beer. It was a cranberry pale stout with uh, roasted goat brains. <laughs> and you know, we thought it was gonna be like a brew pub release, brew pub special, but you know, no pun intended. The beer went totally viral. It reached 19 million people with zero marketing dollars. Um, wow. Writers at the show were calling us. We got calls from China, Sweden, uh, France, Russia, people trying to buy this beer and get a hold of it. And, you know, it's something we spent zero marketing dollars on. And if you Googled beer that week, that was the first thing that popped up. You know, West Philly Brewery makes beer with brains. So so you're saying the beer's not vegan-friendly, though? <laughs> it's not. And actually, our restaurant, our brew pub, is incredibly vegan-friendly. We have numerous options on our menu. And we got two or three really nasty phone calls from people, you know, so you know we're vegan and we come to your restaurant all the time. Like, try to explain it. Like, yeah, uh, you know, we have vegan-friendly options as well, and this one happens not to be. And <laughs> yeah, but that's like them calling and complaining you're serving hamburgers. That's, that's not fair. And, you know, we got these horribly angry calls. Someone never coming back. They're going to bring <laughs> protesters. And I kind of, wow. in my head, I think the best-case scenario for that could have been if there was coming to the brewery as a bottle release day, and on the left is, you know, <laughs> people dressed up as zombies trying to get the beer. On the right, it's like vegans with signs protesting. They're kind of walking down the middle, but... You know, it's, uh, we have a lot of vegan customers, and a lot of them think it's like a fun idea, and yeah. they don't want to drink it. But you know, it is what it is. Well, now you're talking about these beers that, like, you know, the odd, well, odd to I guess most of people, the ingredients putting into it and everything, and then you have these traditional backing things. And with with Philadelphia the way it is, with, with the beer market and stuff, like, where do you see Dock Street fitting? Like, do you guys are you kind of leaning more towards starting to push the envelope more? Do you want to be the kind of old reliable that, like, you know, you have these standards that people have enjoyed for a long period of time like where do you guys see the the brewery as yourself going forward now with the way things are i think we can do both um i think you know it's the best case scenario but i, I think there's no reason why we can't be doing both things you know um we did this walking dead beer we're, we're not we're most likely not going to do it again because we want to try something else new and original but you know we'll brew a beer with brains and we'll brew a perfect crisp bohemian style pilsner we'll do um we did a Wu-Tang Clan theme beer last year, and you know it's one—it's part of our portfolio. But for every beer like that that we do, we do ten 
really beautiful, well-made traditional styles as well. So I think for us, no, it's whatever gets people interested in talking about beer is great for the industry. And we attract new people all the time. Uh, we try and find customers in places that, you know, you wouldn't think to find them before. And that's really what gets us the most excited. Um, we did a beer in October called Dock Street Beer Ain't Nothing to Funk With. And it was a golden saison that we aged in red wine barrels for six months. And, you know, it's a cheeky name. We all love Wu-Tang Clan, but we wanted to do something to take it a little bit further. So um, we filled this barrel up with this golden saison. We had two barrels. Uh, we pitched Brett B and Brett C into both of the barrels, and one of them we attached speakers to, and we played Wu-Tang Clan for six months to the beer. <laughs> and, you know, the thought was, and apart from being, like, really fun and, like, great to do, and you get to hear Wu-Tang Clan all day, <laughs> our thought was that the different the vibrations were going to affect the way the yeast and the bacteria metabolize sugar and create kind of this heightened stage of, you know, hyperactivity. And, you know, yeast is a living organism that responds to pressure change, that responds to vibration. Uh, sometimes when we have a stuck fermentation, we kind of pulse the yeast back into suspension and back into activity with CO2. So we thought, you know, why couldn't vibration be used to affect the different flavors being produced? And how did it come out? So we, um, we had a big release party six months later, and we tapped the two beers side by side and sold bottles of the Wu-Tang beer. Um, you know, the beer with the music was much more developed, much more tart. The bread character was much more pronounced. And, you know, it was a identical barrels. It was identical beer, identical yeast pitch, identical, identical amount of time, identical temperature. Um, and the beers came out totally differently. And granted, there's a little bit of leeway when you're barrel aging stuff. You can do, you know, I wouldn't write a dissertation on it, but it was really nice to support our hypothesis. And what really got us more excited was all these people before that hadn't heard about doxers, that didn't know about craft beer, that didn't know about souring beers with different bacteria to produce tropical fruit and, you know, kind of funky, musty flavors that are really desirable, learned about barrel-aging beers and have a whole new appreciation for that. And so, I mean, we um, we had a big release party. Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan was actually at the party. We had DJs um, singing <laughs> Wu-Tang-inspired beats, and awesome. the beer sold out in about 45 minutes. Nice. That, and, uh, so moving forward, we should see, expect breweries like Cantillon just to be bumping Wu Tang next to the, <laughs> next to their uh, fooders, right? They very well. They very well might. <laughs> well, let's. Um, and I noticed. Let's talk about this for a minute. Um, I noticed that um, the logo and packaging has kind of changed as of late. Is that more? Is it a combination of, just, or is it just wanting to update the image of the company, or is it a combination? I'm sure you guys took a hit, maybe a little bit, with when the brewery was kind of going a little bit sideways with. Um, when you guys weren't in control, is it more like a combination of moving it forward image-wise and trying to repair a little bit of damage? Maybe it was done when, some, when you weren't in control? I think our goal was never to have the logo be unrecognizable from Dock Street, but, you know, it's the logo that we started out with was created 30 years ago, and, you know, uh, packaging art and graphic design has come so far in the future, and I think if you're not, you should always be looking to move forward and looking to make the best possible brand, best possible image. I think the new artwork is kind of grounded in our history. They use the same crest, use the same font, uses the same theme, uses the same um, kind of sailor, but he's more he's more updated. And I think um, it really stands out better on the shelf. And there's so many great breweries with so many great packaging designs and artists and logos and themes that, you know, we, we think it's, you know, 
yeah, those breweries, we should be on our toes to uh, try to be the best that we can be as well. So uh, it wasn't really to create a new branch of the company. It was just to keep it up, keep it up to date and keep it up to where it should be. Well, man, um, we're up against it. It's uh, it's twelve forty, so we're gonna have to cut the interview short here. But uh, we really appreciate you calling in, man. It's a great story behind the brewery, a lot of history, um, awesome beer. And uh, if anybody's down Philly way, they should definitely check you guys out. How do they find you guys uh, on uh, in, in real life and the internet and stuff? So our website is DocStreetBeer.com. Um, we're on Instagram at DocStreetBeer. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And we have this beautiful brew pub at 50th and Baltimore in West Philadelphia. It's by University of Pennsylvania. It's by the Philly, uh, Philadelphia Zoo. Um, it is a 150-year-old firehouse that we retrofit into our brewery. There's a wood-burning pizza oven there that the restaurant is focused around. We have six or eight different beers on tap at all times, barrel-aged stuff, cast condition stuff, big bottles for sale. Um, stay tuned. We're recent. We hopefully are expanding within the next three or four months or so. But um, come down and visit us. Best in Philly Pizza, award-winning beer, and oldest craft brewery in Philadelphia. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for calling. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Good stuff, man. A little Philadelphia history, a little was, good beer. It was so hard not to every time West Philadelphia was said, I that know. Instant, instantaneous <laughs> loop just goes <laughs> and, right on. And, and whenever, whenever there's copious amounts of Wu-Tang involved, yeah. it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and so, goat brains. Yeah, and, and goat brains, yeah, for all you vegans out there. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to head to the commercial, and we're going to come back, drink some more beers, and uh, talk some more beer here on the Beer Geeks and WILK. I've done the Nicotrols, the inhaler, the patch, the gum, you name it, I've done it all. This has been absolutely amazing. Lee Wicker, quit smoking forever, thanks to the John Morgan Hypnosis Seminar. No withdrawals, no craving, no nothing. It was absolutely wonderful. And I was in a good mood the whole time. You can stop smoking forever or lose weight and keep it off. A John Morgan hypnotist will be here soon. Call 800-735-6907 to reserve your space. My coworkers want to sign up right now. <laughs> Hypnosis is safe, fun, and effective. Lee Wicker went with a friend. He smoked three to four packs a day. I smoked two packs plus a day and neither one of us smoke anymore. Join John Morgan hypnotist Mark Pasnack Thursday, July 21st at the Woodlands Inn on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Smoking cessation is at 6 p.m. Weight loss at 8 p.m. Call 800-735-6907 or visit johnmorganseminars.com. Sessions are affordable at $59.95. I just want to thank him for helping me save my life. Call 800-735-6907 or visit johnmorganseminars.com. Intercom Wilkes-Barre Scranton is currently accepting applications for all of our local stations, including WKRZ, WGGY, WILK, and WMQX. We also invite college students to apply for internships at our stations. If you're interested in a career in radio or an internship, visit intercom.com slash careers or call 883-1111. Intercom is dedicated to providing a broad outreach regarding job vacancies at our stations. Organizations that wish to receive job postings are invited to contact us at 883-1111. Intercom Wilkes-Barre Scranton is an equal opportunity employer. If diets and diet products keep failing to flatten your belly, it may not be a diet product you need. You may need Soma Biotics, the shockingly effective breakthrough that flattens bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of waste from your body. Right now, you can find out for free how much flatter Soma Biotics will make your belly because they're currently giving away free trials to the public. For yours, call 1-800-914-2696. Strict limit of one per household. Soma Biotics is not a diet product. 
It's scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to cleanse your system, flatten bloated bellies, and combat periodic heartburn and acid reflux. If your belly flattening results are too dramatic, simply reduce use to every other day. If diets keep failing to flatten your belly, it may not be a diet you need. It may be Soma Biotics. Call now for your free trial and see how much flatter it makes your belly. 1-800-914-2696. Hurry, call now for details while they're still giving trials away for free. 1-800-914-2696. That's 1-800-914-2696. Built for business. Waiting. No one enjoys it. With Comcast Business, you can do less of it. Because Comcast Business Internet is up to five times faster than DSL from the phone company, which means less waiting for things like security backups and file downloads. Plus, it's a better value when you select the fastest plan. So do what nearly a thousand businesses do every day and choose Comcast Business. Unless you'd prefer to wait. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add one voice line and TV for just $34.90 a month for two years. And ask about their low price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. That's 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer NC 3116. Restrictions apply. Equipment, taxes, and fees, including broadcast TV fee extra. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Everyone is talking about healthcare these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our healthcare system, yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? By shifting to a system that gives more patients access to strong primary care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. more Hall & Oates going on. That's all I know. Everybody needs more Hall & Oates <laughs> in their life, to be perfectly honest with you. Welcome back to the Beer Geeks and WILK. Just got off the uh, just got off the phone with Sasha from uh, Dock Street, if you listen. Cool dude. Good beer. Definitely check it out in Philly if you're ever down there. Uh, sounds like the... I looked. I never ate there, um, but it sounds like the food's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's so. what, when you look up anything with them, like, yeah. you see how great their food is, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to get down there and get some pizza up in my life. <laughs> I gave up bread. I gave up eating bread. So pizza is like my like tweener like cheat thing. Oh, gluten intolerance? No, 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 I'm, de- I'm Derek intolerant, but uh, no. I figure since I drink like nine loaves of bread a day, I might as well not eat bread too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. But yeah, I mean, the the coolest part, I guess, about the uh, the interview and the whole Dock Street backstory is the history. Oh, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Just being there originally in Philly, they even admitted themselves as kind of like. With the um, brewery being lost and then bought back, and kind of like them, some things have passed them by, and they're mm-hmm. trying to gain momentum, get back into it. Uh, but to be there for that long, yeah, is, like, is, to be at the forefront of it, and is like, awesome. be the, the first one of it. And it's it's a cool story to hear that they, you know, were bought out after a couple unsuccessful attempts to have that take. It'd be interesting to get more, but that was a tough one to because he wasn't around for it, but that would be interesting to hear what that was like at that time, those those hostile takeovers. Like, one, what kind of money was that? Cause it's probably nothing like the billion that we saw, like, throw at Ballast Point. Like, I'd be interested to see what how that went down at that point in time because it wasn't what it is now yeah. at all. It was, like, at the four, it was 
really, because this was like 2000 that happened, he said. So, I mean, that was really at the, the forefront of the forefront to what's happening now. Yeah. So it'd just be interesting to see what that was like at that point. Yeah, but it seemed like what he was talking about wasn't, it wasn't like hostile takeover from the outside. It was, it was the investors that already invested yeah. in the company wanted them. Cla- uh, the classic okay. story. I mean, he, yeah, said, he said his dad is a knife maker, his mom, mother was a photographer. Yeah. Classic, probably artist versus the money, and the money ends up winning because that's the oh, horrible yeah. part about the United States yep. is the money's always going to win. And, uh, but in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it goes to show you if you don't make a good product, you're not going to survive. So they had to oh, give yeah. up the reins. They had to they had to set it free if they loved it. And had, and, and if it loves you, it'll it come back. Right and, back. It, and it did because, yeah. you know what I mean? Then the brewery goes under. They get to get it back. Sure, there's a bit of damage control probably going on. Yeah. Even to this day, you know what I mean? But, but two, um, two years, that, that's the interesting thing. It was, it was a two-year flip to that. So yeah. it wasn't this like they really ran it into the ground. I mean, they I mean, still two years you, you can, but it wasn't like it was kind of completely dead and they're trying to resurrect something that it might have been easier to just start something new. But they really wanted to keep that history that they had started. And it's interesting to see that, especially in Philadelphia, where that's already a tough nut to crack now doing beer the way things are. And I'm sure at that point, that was where it was really starting in Philadelphia was when all that happened for them. So I'm sure that was a big blow to a lot what they were doing, because that was a time where you didn't want to have that happen to you because you're you you you're just getting on that wave to ride it out. Yeah, I mean, to start, and like, I mean, he touched on, and we all know, like, in 85, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're, you, you know, besides Belgians and stuff like that, your, your craft beer was very few and far between, and to be there at that time, and then get to the point where, okay, now this long-term investment, that, that you want to think about it that way, but it is a business, is going to pay off. Now I have to deal with all this, mm-hmm. and then get it back, and have to almost kind of retool yeah. things. It goes to show you when you uh, when you give a poop, it matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like to go through all that and still kind of trudge on. It's, it's interesting because there's so much history in Pennsylvania in beer. A topic that we covered in my new and upcoming book. <laughs> uh, it'll be released next year. By Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to have some kind of funny plug. You need it. to get a forward written by the RZA, though, right? Oh uh, no. Or, or, <laughs> Uh, and all my commercials, are, yeah. all my commercials are gonna be like uh, I forget his name, but the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> all my commercials, <laughs> completely un- unlegible to anybody. Because we right. always speak so intelligently here on Beer Geeks Radio. <laughs> Nothing that tumbles out of my mouth hole ever <laughs> does not make sense ever. All perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Joe, what do we have in their glass now? <laughs> uh, we have my uh, chai milk stout. Um, it's a homebrew that I did a couple months back, probably. Before Thanksgiving uh, last year, uh, just a like base kind of milk stout recipe, and in the boil, I put uh, ginger, uh, black cardamom, black pepper, and cinnamon sticks. Cardamom. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> gotta have that. How, how do you say, it, George? Cardamom. <laughs> okay, just want to double check. Let me and sure then, pronunciation is correct. You know. As a uh, kind of like a dry hop. I put more uh, cardamom, pepper, and uh, cinnamon. I, I actually get, I guess the one thing I was asking, because I want to know, because most of the time people add pepper and stuff, and it's this really, usually it's a you know, pink peppercorn or something like that, mm. and it's very much a background thing, but I actually really get the pepper in this, and it's nice. It gives us this spicy little burn on the back end of it, that it's, it, which is, it, it's nice because it contrasts that uh, milk stout 
bass with everything. Yeah, the mouthfeel on this is yeah. bonkers good. That's the that's the my favorite part of the whole deal. I mean, we've talked about this beer ad nauseum. We've had it quite oh, yeah. a few times. So, but yeah, I haven't. Well, they, well, when you when <laughs> some you, people's <laughs> first time having it, when, Matt, when you don't divorce, crap all over me because I never had it, <laughs> you divorced us. You left us. <laughs> anyway, please stop fighting, Mom. <laughs> Why are mommy and daddy fighting? <laughs> and officially <laughs> off the rails. Hey, it, all it takes is a little, let's see, 50 minutes. I've derailed this I don't know how many times already. So that's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's like I'm, yeah. no, no, one, no, one, no one stops to watch smooth traveling traffic. <laughs> they stop to watch the train wreck dumpster fire. Do you know what I mean? And welcome back to train wreck dumpster fire, W-I-L. Okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, um, back to... Um, beer and history and all that kind of stuff. Like when you're the book you're going to be coming out with. Uh, how far are you going? You're just going like you're uh, just northeastern PA. Yeah, um, this is just going to be like northeastern that. PA. Um, we're probably going to go down. Like my my thought yeah. is down around like around Weyerbacher is going to be kind of the cutoff for south, and then probably out to like Williamsport area is a cutoff for going west. So, so Weyerbacher, Fegley's, Bullfrog, loop yeah, it, loop that, it that's, around. That's pretty much where we're going. And all of course everything like right here in Scranton, Wilkes Barre. That, that's going to be the main focus. I mean that really is because. Especially historically, this was the main focus of almost all of Pennsylvania when you go back far enough. But there was a huge focus on this area. So, I mean, that's really where a lot of this is going to start. And, of course, with coal mining, I mean, that's really yeah. what branched. That's what brought all the money into this area. We need to, um, what is it? We need to raid Governor Wolf and have him re, um, re- draw, draw the uh, border lines in Pennsylvania. We can get Chester, <laughs> Chester County in there. See, so go the Russian duck like nineteen more times, and then just like just a little bit, just ten more miles in the. In the I'm New doing York. research. Yeah. <laughs> it's called research. Fill me up again. I'm doing more research. <laughs> wow, you do research till five in the morning. Yeah. Oh, you, it looks like you did a bunch of research last night, Derek. <laughs> As I'm on the floor in the bathroom, you you smell like research. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so do we have another um, one? Do we have another beer? Yeah. Um, yeah, we have one more beer to go through. It's uh, uh, We actually opened a show up with a uh, Russian duck beer. Uh, yeah, and we, we did, did the Dock yeah. Street beers in the middle. Um, and then we're going to end with um, we're gonna end with a uh, stout, a little imperial stout from down North Carolina way. Um, brewery, I'm trying to get on. We'll see what happens. That's there. another area that, that's completely booming is, is North Carolina with everything that's been going on. Like the amount of breweries. Is, is, and, yeah, the Asheville area yeah, is oh like yeah. bonkers. Yeah, we, I mean, we wound up having, because we had Wicked Weed on before. There's a bunch in that area of North Carolina that we had on here, like Noda, right there from that. Are they, are they South Carolina? Charlotte. Yeah, okay. North Carolina. Um, but there's like all these breweries in that area that are just absolutely coming online and really fast growing. That's the end. Like, it's one thing to have certain areas that are you know starting to come popular, or whatever. But they're really fast growing as well as new breweries opening up. And it's usually that's not always the case, especially as a state thing. You know, you have specific areas that might be one thing, but you have a whole state basically. It's like really. And it, it's, I think it's a byproduct of a lot of the bigger breweries kind of moving there. Not that those other breweries did, weren't good yeah, and, did, yeah. and didn't exist beforehand, but then you have, like, all these great breweries from the North Carolina region. Then you have, you know, your Oscar Blues and your, you know, all those bigger micro-craft breweries kind of go in there. So people travel, now travel to those breweries, and then while they're there, start visiting all the ancillary breweries in and around the area, and then all of a sudden, Wow. You know what I mean? They're they're visiting visitors triple, and people start doing uh, the beer trading. Not that you yeah. would do that in mail because that would be illegal, but <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a uh, this is a little uh, Vent Horizon from Old Hickory. What year is this? Last year? Yeah, the fifteenth. It's bonkers good. Yeah, I've had this beer a couple times, and uh, 
I think the technical term is it doesn't suck. What is, what is this aged in? Bourbon. It's got to be. Is it just... Yeah, yeah just... Uh, it's got to be. I don't know if there was some aged, kind of... Aged with honey in bourbon barrel. That's what... Uh, I'm trying... Because the there, was, there was some mid... Extra flavor. sweetness. Yeah, there was this mid-palate flavor. I could not figure out what it is. Like, right before, like, you get a little bit of that bourbon, and I couldn't figure out what that... It's honey. That's what it is. Like, you, you as soon as you take a sip, you, you get the little bit of the base, and then honey, and then the bourbon. That's why I could not feel like... It, it didn't make sense to me, because the honey, it wasn't... A, thought that went through my head with a, a barrel-aged stout, but you get that really coming through. It's really nice because it gives it this weird complexity and kind of bounces around. I just... Uh, it's only 8.5% alcohol by volume, too. It drinks wow. like it's more like a 13% oh, yeah. beer. Um, they have a whole thing, as most breweries do. They list a little story on the side, unless you're stoned and you write a stream of novella story, or you know what I mean. But uh, (laughs) but no, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the end, it just ends in prepare to have your tongue spaghettified. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What does that even mean? Spaghettified. Like, like if, if I had a child, it sounds like something my little child would say to me. And like yeah, trying yeah, to that's, pronounce, that's, trying to pronounce like another a word. Year old said, <laughs> yeah, "It's yeah. a made-up thing." Are they like brewing this beer with colanders on their head? Like, are they worshiping the spaghetti monster? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what's going on with this thing? But uh, no, this is this is a great brewery. I would not have guessed that that was eight and a half percent. No, no, no. I was I was saying this was at least twelve. That was my first. Just, yeah, that's why just I, I only took feet. this much. Yeah, <laughs> I had. Yeah, read the bottle. Eight and a half, man. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, I had this for the first time like two years ago, and uh, it just blew me away. It was the age one too, and age just did it wonders. And uh, it's been something I've been trying to get for a while. It's kind of hard. It's not. It's it's available. You can go get it, but it's not like I don't know easily attainable. I guess it's, it just comes out in seasonal releases. Or did you? Where did you get the bread? Uh, Total Wine. I just walked into the Total Wine in Raleigh and bought almost everything that they had that was Carolina. <laughs> a lot of Wicked Weed um, came out about five hundred dollars uh, poorer. But no, like no, I'm, you came out five hundred dollars richer, yeah. but just richer in, <laughs> in beer. Yeah. I'm going back down there again, probably end of the month, and I'm going to buy all of these, and then I'm going to buy all those Russian, um, the Courage Russian Imperial Stout gift sets. That one doesn't suck either. Yeah. So there you go. No, it's great. definitely a great area for this. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, it, it's still, I still can't kind of get over the ABV thing. Yeah. Because it's just, I... It's what turns me on the most when you get a beer yeah. that's oh, yeah. slow in ABV and it tastes huge. It's, uh, you know, apparently Old Hickory and Duda CL have the uh, patent on that. So <laughs> so there you go. Um, next week on the radio show, no brewery, another theme show. We'll figure it out this week. Stay tuned online and kind of look into uh, what we'll be drinking. We'll figure it out then. Um, and then going forward, we have a couple um, speakers coming on. We have John Hall from All About Beer Magazine. Uh, a couple breweries coming on, uh, peppering in uh, different stuff here and there in uh, coming weeks on the Beer Geeks. So, and reach out to us on social media. Uh, ask us questions. Give us ideas. Uh, we want to start uh, kind of getting you guys more um, into the show interactive-wise. We're going to try to set it up to where you can ask us questions live on the air and stuff like that. Maybe start li- live streaming the show when we don't have an interview because you can't hear the interview if you're watching the live stream and stuff like that. So if you guys yeah. have questions, inquiries, anything like that, reach out on us on social media. It's uh, Beer Geeks Radio, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Untapped. What else, George? Friendster? Friendster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Odd. We're getting our old MySpace page up and yeah. running. Uh, yeah, MySpace. <laughs> live journals. IRC. IRC we're, um, we're updating our Angel Fire page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to get on AIM, well, we are. It, <laughs> well, the Angel Fire page is up. We put it down. Now it's just under construction, so you can go there and see the little we had devils. The and the sparkles and the <laughs> yeah, like dancing that. baby. Hey, you know what? One thing we have not said, and I'm just thinking about this now. 
It's Fourth of July weekend. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, America. I remember because I was woken up last night by someone launching fireworks. There you go. <laughs> we'll celebrate the birth of your country by blowing a smaller yeah. piece of it up. Yeah, don't don't. Uh, that's uh, we'll, we'll give a little warning. Don't hold a firework and light it. You're an idiot. Well, yeah, do don't that. Just don't <laughs> get hurt. And 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 we'll, we'll, let's do it, man. Thank you for the veterans, man. You got to say that because Absolutely. honestly, like we all kind of in fight all the time. But um, without that, we wouldn't be free, baby, and drink beer. So happy Fourth, everybody. Yeah, thanks for joining us this week. And tune in next week on the Beer Geeks on WILK.